A frustrating goalless draw as the baggies look blunted without their ballers. We'll talk Plymouth, the Boo Boys, Fellows, Coxies, Thermals and answer all your questions on this week's Baggies broadcast. Hello Albion fans, welcome back to the latest episode of the Baggies broadcast, episode 18 of the season. It feels like we have been going for a very long time. I'm Johnny Drury. He's Lewis Cox. Coxie, how are you, mate? I know you were quite cold. You get quite cold at games and you were very cold on Saturday. Have you, have you had a chance to warm up in the last day or so? Well, no, mate. Morning. Um, as we were just <laughs> discussing before we came on air, we're both freezing in our houses anyway and, and, and daren't turn the heating on because nobody can afford to live, can they? So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I've, uh, I have pressed boost. I've grabbed a hoodie. And I'm ready to go. But uh, yeah, yeah, you, you know I'm partial to being a bit chilly, mate. I'm, Coldest I'm, man I'm, in local as, journalism, aren't you? As, as I said to you before, <laughs> I'd wear the thermals in my house if it was uh, if it was acceptable. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we're, we're at the threshold, I reckon. We're we're definitely at the uh, despite what 70% of voters in my Twitter poll, who were all incorrect, <laughs> thought on Saturday, we're at the threshold for thermals and knitwear. I'm afraid. Yeah, let us know, Alpine fans. Comment below the uh, the podcast. It's, it's, it's out. Is it too early for thermals? Well, Is it too early? It's for funny, thermals? Johnny, because like ten ten years of this gig of sitting out in the cold. Like the problem, I don't think some people quite grasp, and I'm not after the sympathy vote here. Is as you know, <laughs> just sitting and and. Shall I play a violin I, over this? Yes, when please. I the yes, podcast? please. That would go down well. Yeah. Previously, certainly before Albion life, um, you sit in these tight, cramped press boxes where you can barely move, can't you? And, and people don't realise you sat there from, what, half one till, like, seven. Um, you've barely been able to stand up. And, and, yeah, you can start to feel it, I reckon. And, uh, yeah, but my, my um, as I say, doing the, the gig for so long, um, it hasn't hardened me to the elements at all. If ever I think I've gone the other way and I'm just permanently cold. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. You had the thermals on on Saturday, which I give you a lot of stick for. I can't wait till the deep depths of December. I think you'll be coming in like the Michelin man. <laughs> layer after layer after layer on um, the oh, bite of global warming. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> oh, do you do you remember like your coldest ever game? Yeah, it wasn't. Totally it should it should be yeah. Albion, really. You know, all that highest ground above sea level stuff, and you get cold <laughs> yeah. at Albion in the summer. But um, probably Shre- like Shrewsbury, these grounds that are very open. You know, that have got no corners. Like Albion's quite lucky; it's got court. There's only one corner that's kind of a little bit open down to one side. Stokes one, one, isn't it? Stoke, 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 yeah, cold shoes and iron Stoke, all, all hen, that stereotypes. Hen, hence for town, um, <laughs> hence for town, where Albion's kids play at the moment is sort of um, famed as as one of the coldest around as well. But uh, what, which what, yeah, mine's either Bradford, not not generally, but I mean a, a game I had in Bradford or a game I had in Scunthorpe. There's a bit of north, a bit of north for you there. Um, yeah, cold up yeah, north. Anywhere up north, anywhere up north. Sunderland last season, wasn't it? But um, but yeah, Albion fans. Yeah, Maybe yeah. let us know as well. What well, you, you called us ever away day? We'll have a we'll have a bit of a chat about that. I remember you. Defro- next, I distinctly remember you defrosting the car um, after Sunderland on that yeah. night, and me just standing there taking photos of you. Yeah, yeah, Help, oh, yeah. helping as usual. <laughs> yeah, and it was your car as well. So um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, make of that what you will, baggage fans. Um, right, good stuff. Anyway, we're going to talk Plymouth. Um, and the fallout from from that frustrating draw. We're going to answer your questions. We've got some crackers in today. TJ Smithy is back with another quiz. And uh, after me chopsing off last week and getting what I fully deserved, can I uh, can I bounce back? You'll hear about that later in the podcast. We'll have a smaller QPR. 
Um, this feeds into one of our questions last week, I think. Given our, our schedules, we're recording this on a Monday, despite the fact we've got a Tuesday game, just because of how schedules have worked out. However, me and Cox are going to bring you a, a shortened, special baggage broadcast extra um, on Thursday, where we'll discuss um, UPR game, hopefully discussing a win rather than a, a, a bore draw. But uh, anyway, we'll start with Plymouth. Cox, I've got a bit of a statement for you. You can either agree or disagree on this one. Um, Nil-nil, frustrating, but for me, you know, I've seen a lot of comments after, you know, saying this, saying that, saying the other. You know, for me, yes, Albion could have done, could have maybe done more to win the game. Um, Players could have stepped up, you know, and replaced those ones that, you know, are missing. But when you take those players out of any team, you know, your creators, your wingers, your strikers, it's always going to be tough. And on the flip side, it wasn't like we were playing a side who are, you know, down and out, 10 men behind the ball or 11 men behind the ball, you know, sitting in. Plymouth were no, no mugs. You know, defensively, they were good, but offensively, they were good as well. Um, I'd say, yeah, that's, I think that's my my full statement. I think, well, funnily enough, uh, you mentioned that just before we come on, I, I was tapping out some some quotes from Carlos Goodman and he actually said, you know, it, it, it would affect any team in the world uh, missing three, three of their attacking players. And I actually thought, well, it, you know, You've actually got four missing, Carlos. You're forgetting DK there. I know it's um, oh, yeah. it sounds horrible, doesn't it? I was going to say it's it's sort of easily done because he's had so so long on the on the sidelines. But um, in all seriousness, yeah, he's he's saying three and he, he name checked the three and not DK. So um, yeah, for clearly any and I, I think I've said it before. Certainly in copy and any any club, yeah, Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, whoever, um, Real Madrid. You know, it's all relative, isn't it? You're going to miss that many attacking players. Um, it does put more onus on the others, um, but it does dwindle options. Clearly, look, we're all excited and rooting for Tom Fellows now. Whereas, let's be fair, if, those, if three or four of those were fit, Fellows would be nowhere near it, would he really? Um, or he might be on the bench at best. But um, but yeah, I, the thing is for me about Saturday, um, I've seen a few people saying this actually, but, you know, it's Plymouth Argyle, with respect to Plymouth Argyle, yeah, I think there's a, a bit of disappointment because of who, who Albion were against. Um, even though they were down in 18th, certainly before kickoff, they they played a lot better than 18th. Um, they, they, okay, they were lacking a sort of conviction in in the box that 20, that striker that's going to go and score 20, or you know to to convert all of their fine play but in terms of their approach play the tactics their movement and and stuff like that they were one of if not the best side i've seen at the Hawthorns this season yeah better than swans in middlesbrough whoever else um i wasn't at the millwall game but yes yeah, so yeah i think, I think we just need to not fall into the trap of thinking oh it was it was plymouth argyle you know and alvin should be beating plymouth argyle because the way they played um was was highly impressive so but but this is still Albion at home in the Championship, and they you know, still should be expecting to win every match more, you know, more so than the away games. You need to be getting the majority of points at home, don't you? Clearly, and, and the same goes for tomorrow night. Now, I don't expect, I, I don't attempt fate or, or anything, Johnny, but I don't expect Gareth Ainsworth's QPR, certainly given how they've been for the majority under him, to be anywhere like as good or as vibrant as Plymouth the other day. But I still, you know, look at them at the Hawthorns on in April. You know, it started so well, didn't it? And then that sort of went pretty disastrously. So that'll be a lesson. But clearly, I mean, dropping points on Saturday does, for me, put more onus on Tuesday night, tomorrow night, as we speak to pick up three points. We spoke previously, didn't we, about this batch of five games and how many points would be acceptable. 
and uh, and it's two drops already, so work to be done. Um, but I do have sympathy with uh, the squad and the head coach at the moment. Certainly, I I, I do have sympathy. Um, I just thought the first half was really poor, and or certainly the first 30, 35 minutes. Before Albion changed their shape, got to grips with it, that they were better. However, you know, like Blues before the international break, did they create enough? To, to score the goals needed. No, and that's clearly where um, things need to be worked on at the moment. And, and Corbyn just quickly made a point of set pieces, didn't he, after the, after the game in his press conference. And they have been have scored a couple from set pieces this season, but not enough for what they're, what they're forcing, for the height and bodies they've got, for the deliverers they've got, albeit Swift injured at the moment. That's, that's one area they need to profit from with, you know, more natural attacking players out. You've got to find other ways, haven't you? Maybe we need to bring Tony Pulison as a set piece coach. He'll be sort of. I'm sure he's looking at some of them set pieces. If he's ever watched yeah, Robin going, or bring or just bring Craig Dawson what, back as well. Yeah, well, I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> what, what, what a Dawson McCauley yeah. and uh, and also not too. Yeah, they clean up. Just on the other um other end of the field. Now I've seen quite a lot of criticism, quite a lot of harsh criticism. I think with Brandon Thomas Asante, um, and I made a point of it in my bite sized baggies piece on the on Sunday morning. Um, he's he's got a really tough job on his hands at the moment like a lot of Albion have he's playing as a lone striker um he's someone who you know I think we forget that he came from League 2 Salford on the back of probably his first real scoring run in the Football League and Albion sort of plucked him late in the window when they were sort of desperately scratching around for strikers and were able to afford to bring him in you know he was thrust into it last season and I think he he did he did relatively well He's been thrust into it again this season with the likes of Madger injured and obviously DK again. And people scoff at people getting praised for working hard. You know, we've seen it with Wallace as well. And I get it. You want to see an end product there. Um, Wallace is maybe a different argument for another day. But Thomas Asante, you know, I've seen references to, you know, what, well, th- there is that. He's come from League Two. Albion paid a nominal fee for him or a small fee for him compared to, you know, others in football these days. So he's he's playing a role in a division two leagues higher than he's ever played. He's doing an all right job. It's not falling for him this season. Granted, he should have scored on Saturday. There was, he had a really good chance late on where he just he went with almost went with the wrong foot. Yeah, um, and and he will admit that he should have scored more goals than than he he, he has scored um, in recent months, but. He's, like we said, he's adapted really. I think his, his hold-up play and bringing people into play is fantastic. You know, we want to see him scoring goals. But someone made a very good point to me on Saturday. When everyone's fully fit, he is Albion's third-choice striker. And we, I think we have to we have to remember that. And, you know, so other people have made a point. He's a, wide, he's a wide player. Maybe he is. We haven't really seen a lot of him out wide because he has had to play that central role for Albion. So I think, like a lot of things, I get that people are frustrated and they want to see more goals from him. But I think people just need to cut him a little bit of slack because he's, you know, and someone, I, I saw a question as well, you know, Brandon Thomas says he's not the answer. Well, what is the answer at the moment? Because Albin have sent young strikers out on loan because they're not ready. And Brandon Thomas says is the only, you know, recognised striker at the moment. So, yeah, well, yeah like the, I said. The alternate, the, the alternate answer can't be Jed Wallace up front every game, can it? Until, you know, for weeks and months. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I do agree with you, Johnny, actually, um, on, on this case. I, actually, writing something up as we speak, really. Um, I think it's going out tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, just some core brand thoughts on Thomas Sante. And he's not, I, I asked after the game Saturday, you know, difficult spell for him, how concerned are you 
you know, confidence-wise. He, he's got a, the the problem is he's got to shoulder all of the burden, hasn't he? Realistically, yes, others have to chip in, but if he's not scoring while being the only striker available, as you say, Johnny, um, it's just magnified on him more, isn't it? And and we're you know perhaps as members of the media we're guilty of that of um, you know, if he hasn't scored for a few games, referencing it, mentioning it, like even speaking to it on, you know, on here, even though we can talk in his defence. Um, one of the things, again, the head coach did have a slight problem with the other day, and I, I know some fans do as well, is his movement and his runs. He was caught offside a couple of times when he shouldn't have. And just sometimes want him to be there in the six-yard box, ready to convert, ready to pounce. And I suppose that's positioning, anticipation, movement, all of that is probably an area of his game he's got to work on and improve on, you would say. Um, however, the other parts of his game that, that he has got, that uh, I suppose physicality and hold-up where he's able to link players is is great. Now, I'd, I do think for a couple of games, two, three games, possibly more, um, we haven't seen the overall game, the overall package that he bought last season when he had some, you know, so many supporters and fans. He, he didn't score too often last season. You know, nine goal top scorer in all competitions, seven in the league. But his overall play when he wasn't scoring was was top notch, was superb. I think he's dipped below that. And that's why I think, again, maybe his form and, and lack of goals has been magnified because because of that, that all-round game. And, and hopefully he can bring that bring that back a little bit. But his confidence will be a you know, notch or two lower because of not scoring for a little while, a couple of months, because of things not quite going for Arby in the last few games, I suppose, in, in forward areas. He'll feel more responsibility because he knows he's the only option up there. So um, it's a bit of a cycle, really. You just need um, just need something to go for him, one to drop for him, an easy goal, um, and a, yeah, build some confidence, and then a strong all-round display. And then I think we'll, you know, we'll see him, we'll see him back. Hopefully, we'll hear the crowd singing his name again and all that, and it'll all come together. But it's difficult at the moment. It, it is difficult at the moment, and. Maybe we'll get into it later, Johnny, or now. But I do, you know, does does he play tomorrow? Does he feature from the off tomorrow? Um, I can see both. I can see both worlds. I can see him him staying in. I can see him coming out of the side. I can even see him a change of shape and in partnering, partnering. Sorry, Wallace up front um, with fellows in on the flank. I think that could be interesting. So there are a few sort of head scratches for Corbran. And uh, yeah, it's it's. Do, do you bring Thomas Sante out out of the side for a bit of respite, a bit of a breather physically and, and I suppose mentally, or do you stick with him waiting for it to go forward? It's almost like you've re- read and looked at my notes that I sent you before, and we'll talk for Thomas Asante and for the lack of personnel you know, we said, would it benefit Thomas Asante to play in a front two? Now I know that sacrifices someone somewhere else. Do Albion really need two people in front of the the back line against someone like QPR, should they sacrifice someone there to play as a two up front? You know, we I've said it loads of times, no one plays with a two up front. It's almost, I don't think defences, you know, defences aren't, you know, they don't train to play against two up front anymore. But Albion did switch to that on Saturday and looked better when they did. Wallace played up alongside Thomas Asante for a period on Saturday. Um, and those are the two options. There, there, there is no one else, you know, unless you're going to chuck an unknown from the, from the under-21s. But, it, was that would that be more beneficial, not just for Thomas Asante, but for Albion, given the fact yeah. that Sarmiento, Swift, DK, Magic are, are all on the treatment table? Do you know what? It, I'm not I'm not football manager, and I'm uh, 
not by any means a tactical expert, but just looking at it from where we are, I'd be happiest tomorrow seeing um, Wallace just off Thomas Asante. A front two, basically, you know, Wallace a bit deeper, mm. a bit more licence. Um, and effectively, so a back four, changing that up. So effectively a 4-4-1-1, 4 with fellows on one of the flanks. So you've got his energy, you got Wallace buzzing around in front of him with Thomas Asante. Um, then be it Phillips or Dean Garner on the left, probably probably Phillips. I, I would um, I would rather. Um, and yeah, yeah, going further back, I'd I'd bring Connor Townsend any in when he, I think when he came on the other day for a for a tired and weary Eric Peters. Peters struggled, didn't he? I thought Townsend looked a bit sharper and a bit more refocused. So yeah, with with Townsend in at left back, but yeah, that's what I'd I'd prefer to do. I'd have those two sort of up front together, Wallace just off him. Just think it helps shoulder a bit of a burden you know just they'll be able to work off each other as you say johnny buzz around each other and then the energy of fellows as well coming in from from the flank i think could bring something else against the low on confidence qpr let's be honest but i i could see an argument for bringing thomas sante out struggling maybe physically maybe mentally would that help him possibly possibly not we don't we don't know we're not fortune tellers do we? it might benefit him coming out of the side it might not yeah, did, did it benefit him not playing a minute at Preston in that 4-0 win? Maybe physically, but probably not because, I don't know, uh, yeah, Albion were were brilliant that day, but Thomas Asante didn't play a part in it, did he? And if, if he had, he would have took confidence from it. Wallace was sensational that day, didn't score, but was great leading the line. He's now gone back to his more normal position. And yeah, let, let's, just, let's just mix it up a little bit. Back four those two together up front, which was better on Saturday, wasn't it? As you said, um, two wingers in a, in a 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1. I'd, I'd like to see that tomorrow. And I'm, I'm interested as to whether the head coach will will decide it. And I'd, I'd, I'd change one of the centre midfielders as well too, by the way. I'm sure we'll get on to Chalaba. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd make a few changes tomorrow night. Fellows, he's someone that Carlos Corbran has talked about after the game, you know, did very well. That's two back-to-back mm. cameos now. Is it time for him to start or does he still need to be edged in? protected you know there, there there is a lot of clamor for from Albion fans for him to start but then you know you throw him in and he doesn't have a good game the way yeah some parts of fan bases can be you know will he get undeserved stick you know what would you start him tomorrow yeah I would if it was my choice I'd like to see him start however as you know Baggies fans will have read online Corbrand's quotes yeah you just do have to weigh up He's looked really bright from the bench last 15, last 20 minutes, but he's going against tired legs of more senior defenders now. Fellas goes at it from the off. You know, these defenders are going to be a lot more at it, you would think, a lot more sharper physically, mentally. It'd be trickier for fellas from the off. But I think I think two things. I think he's earned it and merited it. And this is what happens when there are when there are injuries, isn't it? An amount of injuries in a position, it opens up chances. And uh, he has been there, hasn't he? Was it? Un- it was under Val, wasn't it? I think I'm right in saying. Yeah, he started he's... against Cardiff. I think we, we yeah. found out on Saturday. Yeah, um, and that was what eight that was, two. I think that was two. that was on the back of a. He came off the bench, Derby, I think, in the FA Cup or the league. Yeah, um, I'm just trying to get my point. Yeah, that, that would have been over over 18 months ago now. 2021. Uh, yeah. No, Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Hold on. Start 22. Start 22, Johnny. Yeah, 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 just before Bruce. Um, Anyway, yeah, so over 18 months ago, you know, he's since obviously grown and matured a hell of a lot. I know he's 
um, from from one or two bits I've heard. Certainly matured physically, fitness-wise, strength-wise, bulked up. Um, that loan at Crawley would have been, you know, would have been vital in all of that, you know, in, in all of that department, physically, mentally, the importance of three points on the line. Um, I think I think he's he's earned it and, and merited it. And interesting, this is this is a big period from a big time frame. He can really, despite other players coming back, he can really put himself in the, you know, in the reckoning. Uh, Carlos Corbran's been hugely interest uh, impressed with him, I should say. Um, we were really impressed with him over pre-season, weren't we? He was, he was really good in the friendlies. Um, fearless, you know, quick. Yeah, one of the things Carlos Corbin had to say about him on Saturday, actually, was, um, you know, he, he needed to believe in himself. And he looks like he does now. It looks yeah. to me like he does now. So, um, nice story, isn't it? Been with a club since under nines. Um, and, you know, as, as I hear you say many times, Johnny, go and make yourself a hero. Yeah, certainly. Well, hopefully you can do that. Tomorrow evening, right, time for an advert. There's only one place to start after we've talked about how cold Coxie gets. Um, the Catlin Toaster Man is our uh, proud sponsor here at the Baggies Broadcast and all our podcasts here um, at the Express and Star and Shropshire Star. Coxie, what do you think I'm going to mention? What, what's going to be our product of the week this week? Oh, it's got, it's got to be a heater. Oh, it's huh? got to be a heater. It's got to be. I was scouring through... The cat and toaster man this morning. I found. I tell you what, I found you a right bargain. It's going to keep you nice and toasty in this, uh, in this. Uh, well, across this winter, if you don't want to put all your, your central heating on, you can get your hands on a Beldre three bar halogen heater for just how much, Coxie? How much do you think? Oh, God. you're in dodgy ground asking me about the price here, mate. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't want to say too low or too high. For just um, twenty pound, twenty pound, wow. you can get your hands on that. And there's some absolute. Some bargains on there. Their prices are ridiculous on some of these products. So if you're getting a bit cold, like Coxie, and you don't want to put your, your layers of thermals on and your snood and your hat, get yourself down to uh, Kettle and Toast. Well, get on to kettleandtoasterman.co.uk. They've got some fantastic products down there. The graded product specialist, you know, all the top brands, um, like we said there, Beldray, Halogen Heater, but they've got so many more down there. So many products for your household. So, yeah, head along to catlandtoasterman.co.uk or if you want to go in store and have a look, they're on Thorns Road over in Briley Hill. Right, the quiz. It's one all this season between me and Lewis Cox. First one went to myself, a superb comeback. Last week I was crowing too much. I was chirps and I was chopsing. And Coxie sort of give me a give me a bit of a dressing down, brought me right back down to earth with a battering. However, we've had, uh, we've had our third meeting of the season. Can I get back in front? I'll, I'll tell you what. I can tell you something now. I was not as chopsy as I was the previous week. Um, you know, a big slice of humble pie on that one. So, uh, yeah, kept my mouth shut, listened to the questions and tried to uh, try to get back in front. And this is how our quiz went with uh, resident quiz master, TJ Smithy. The Baggies Broadcast quiz is back. It's one all. Coxie with a battering last time. I'm looking to restore a bit of pride and restore my lead. Um, TJ Smithy is back with another quiz. TJ Smithy, you've got an interesting one for us today. I'm going to be a little bit more low key on this one. I'm I'm going to uh, I'm not going to get ahead of myself because it come back to bite me well and truly on the backside last time. So what have you got for us, pal? I'm fully concentrated oh. today. I'm not having any banter with Coxie. This is strictly <laughs> professional. We haven't spoken. Get in for your a week. corners, boys. Get in your corners. So this. This week, we're going to do the Baggies Bluff. So I'm going to give you a question. You've got 20 seconds to name as many of the question that I say. But I'm going to give you the opportunity to say an amount of 
players you can name or whatever the situation is or goals or whatever it is. And then we'll, uh, whoever calls bluff, the other person has to name. Ooh. So I'm going to go to Johnny this time. So if I say I can name like 10, if I name more than 10, is that all right? Or have I just so got hit 10? If, if you say I can name 10 and then Coxie goes, but well, I can name 13. Yeah. Yeah. You keep going up until one of you goes, no, you can't do that. Right, okay. okay. Yeah. So you're going to tell us the category, are you? No. Is, is there only going to be one? Or it's is it's literally four questions. Right. Four. Okay. With the opportunity of a tiebreaker if, if it happens. Right. Let's go. How many members of the current West Brom side can you name in 20 seconds? Johnny. 16. Oh, man. Uh, 17. 18. 19 20 wow 20 so 20 seconds that is that's a name per second i yeah. am going to let him do it oh time him in smithy all right i've got 20 seconds ready on here you let me know when you're ready and i'll count down from three yeah ready all right three two go palmer can griffiths furlong pepper taylor kepra ajayi bartley peters townsend Phillips, Malumbi, Yukushlu, Swift, Wallace, Brant Obasante, DK, Madger, Fellows. He's done it. He's done it. He's done it. I didn't even I didn't even believe I could do that, to be fair. To be honest, when wow. he started, I thought when when he started, I thought I should have taken that. Because, My heart's yeah. banged in there. My heart's right. This is like it's like being on question of sport or something. Well done. <laughs> when he slowed down, when he slowed down, I was hoping he had a chance, but he just got there, hadn't he? Yeah. Oh. Never mind. Needed that. Rather Needed that. We get gradually harder each each round, so oh, we might be getting just fantastic. smaller. Good to take the lead. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good to take the lead. Right. Right. We go over to Coxie. How many different ex-players of West Brom who are currently playing now can you name in twenty seconds? Oh man, this is vile. Um, okay, I'm, I'm going to start low for obvious reasons and say. Um, <laughs> This is hard. Say this is hard. Jeez. Oh, six. Seven. Um, eight. Mm, nine. Oh, I'm letting you have that, I'm afraid. I'm not going above eight. <laughs> like to challenge myself. Like to challenge <laughs> myself. Right. Hold on. Let me just have a little bit of a think. Right. And a stretch. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Little bits of things before. No, no, no. There's the no song. delaying now, Johnny. Right. I'm going to I'm gonna have to pull it forward. Right. Go on. Right. Then. Three. Two, one, go. Craig Dawson, Jake Livermore, James McLean, Nasser Chadley, Jay Rodriguez. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, left last, I couldn't think left last summer. Oh, just give one to Cox here. And it's Cox all on. over. Oh, that's hard. Yeah, that is hard. It's ridiculous because there's, it's, it's ridiculous there's loads of them out there. Oh. Yeah, there was uh, Dwight oh, yeah. Gale. Jordan, Jordan can't as a player. Come on, uh, to be honest. Neon. Neon, yeah. Also, is Chadley still playing? Is yeah. Chadley still playing? Yeah, he's yeah. playing in Belgium, I think, now. Yeah. Oh, right. What did I get? Five? I mean, you got six. Oh, that was tough, tough Right. Well, at least I stepped up, you know what I mean? At least I didn't throw <laughs> yeah. over. Do you know what, <laughs> yeah. do you know what, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's true. At least I'm having a go here. There's only one person playing this quiz. Right, come on. One all. 
It's back to me, is it? So the third question is how many season top goal scorers can you name in 20 seconds? Last season's top goal scorer. Five. I'll say six. Seven. Are we going back into all of history here, by the way? Or is it just uh, modern era? Season top goal scorers. Okay, I'll say eight. But it's letting me go, yeah? Mm -hmm. Oh dear. Okay. Right then. You let Making me know you do some ready. work, Coxie. If you're going to beat me, you've got to work for it. So how many is it? Is it eight to beat? Yeah, eight. Right. Your time starts in three, two, one, go. Odin Wingy, Rondon, Lee Hughes, Bob Taylor, Cyril. I'm going to chuck Brunty in there in case he managed it. Mozza, not sure. Um, that's five. What did I say? Eight. Um, uh, Lukaku. Uh, Earnshaw, maybe unlikely. Um, Time's up. You said eight names, but I don't oh think Morrison nah. was top goal scorer. Morrison, no. Brunt, Earnshaw. Don't think Earnshaw was top goal scorer. It might have uh, been. Others went out of my head. Um, there's probably obvious ones. Yeah, have a have a, have a look at your list. See out, see what I got. I thought you were going to get there. You you started well there. I was like, oh god. Yeah, I, I thrown this to you. I was confident earlier. All right, gosh. what is it? Two one, one to play. Come I just on. thought yeah. there were. I just. I'm also I, unsure on the uh, Silver Regis as well, but it might have. So what's, what's solid, this now? Is it It's two one to Johnny with one to play. Yeah. Beat to serve as well. So, how many ex managers can you name? In 20 seconds. By the way, this is to me, isn't it? Because Johnny picked the first number last time. Yeah. Oh, did I? Oh, yeah, yes. I did. Sorry. Go on then, yeah. Coxie. Sorry. No, right. Stealing it off you. Uh, that's all right, man. How many ex-managers? Um, oh, don't like this much. Six. Nine. Nine? Wow. <laughs> oh, bluff. I'd have gone up, but you've gone too high there. Bluff. Right, come on is that including caretaker? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be bad night. I'll be the bad nine managers in about the last eight years, so it shouldn't take too long. Well, yeah. Right. Yeah. Three, two, one, go. Corbrandt, Ishmael, Bruce, Irvine, Pulis, Moore, Billich, uh, Gary Megson, Brian Robson, Tony Mowbray. Is that it? There we go. I was too worried about oh, yeah. delving into the depths of history there when I back, just thought about the last decade. <laughs> back with a bang. Well done, JD. It's better that. to be I'd silent like and to, humble, uh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to call the uh, the officials on my top goal score chat to find out how many I actually got. Poor I was nah, confident on a few of them. Yeah, got, Morrison. It's gone now. We don't have VAR on this quiz, unfortunately. So, uh, Fair enough. Yeah, good effort, though. TJ Smithy, top quiz. I think that's 2-1 for the season. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time where uh, we'll give Coxie the chance to, to try and get back on a level playing field. Until next time, goodbye. There we go. There we go. Coxie's looking down at his phone now because he can't bear to look at the screen because I'm boing boinging. There we go. Like a consummate professional, he comes back from adversity. I, and goes I spent back in front. I spent I spent subsequent hours, didn't I, Johnny, scrolling through um, Albion top scorers after that quiz. Yeah, Coxie was trying. Coxie was trying to. He was trying to do a Jurgen Klopp and get a replay. Yeah. He was calling <laughs> yeah. for. He, he sent no, me a letter saying he was a top scorer for Albion. I still I still want to send it to VAR. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was, I wasn't far off. You were I close. Was one shot. You were I was close. one shot because Brunty, Brunty was. I found out in the end. But um, 
it, it was just irritating because I missed so many recent ones. I, I'm sure including like last season, um, you know, um, Gale, uh, so many obvious ones. But it's it's just been on the spot, isn't it? And then you've got you know, yourself, yourself and Mr. Smithy, um, yeah, timing me down, pointing at your watch, you know. So it's, uh, yeah, disappointing. But hey, ho, we go again. Go. We do go again, indeed. TJ Smith will be back in a couple of weeks' time where we'll uh, we'll see if Coxie can get back on level terms. Right, question time. We've got some fantastic ones from you Baggies fans today. Uh, Jess Ackroyd, regular listener. Not really a question, but I heard some fans at the ground yesterday wondering why we've not gone for an out-of-contract striker like Lyle Taylor, for example, on short-term deal to tie us over. I assume we simply cannot afford any more wages. It's probably the case, isn't it, Coxie? Pretty simple answer to that one. If yeah, Carlos could get a free agent in, I'm sure he'd probably love to. <laughs> Finances are the case here, aren't they? Um, yeah, on the flip side, match is back yeah, in about a month's time. And then, what, another month after that, you, you're looking at DK coming in, aren't you? So while things are so tight, you know, if a free agent came in in a few months, where would they be down the pecking order? You know, fourth and basically... Yeah, unnecessary, but you know, it's all sort of redundant anyway, isn't it? Because of finances, and and that's a shame, but yeah, I suppose in another world, um, they'd, they'd certainly be scouring the market. I, you know, Lyle Taylor's been not doing the rounds, but he's been talked about the last few weeks, hasn't he? Um, now he's knocking around at Sheffield Wednesday when Albion played them as a as a free agent, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a moot point because. Yeah, so they simply can't can't afford that. Yeah, to be so selective in the loans used over the summer, and obviously the one free agent that came in, Madger, was the the club felt you know, in the context of their position a coup and a, a real acquisition they were keen and happy to make, and it started started pretty disastrously for Madger, hasn't it? Not in terms of form on the pitch, but that setback's a, a huge one, and um, yeah, it'd be a big boost when he's back, but he's got to get up to speed pretty sharpish to to alleviate some of that responsibility from Thomas Asante, as we were saying. Yeah, thanks for your question, Jess. Uh, ben Cotty, throwing you under the bus here, but what do you think of the atmosphere this season, in particular the Swedish end being so quiet, in my opinion? Um, I won't pass it over to you, Coxie, because I'm feeling quite generous this morning. I'll take No, I'll no take that's fine. I've got, I've, got an opinion. I've got an opinion as well. It's, I, yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people saying this, and... and yeah, there are times when the, maybe the atmosphere in the whole ground has been a little bit subdued, but I think there's been times as well that the atmosphere has been really good. Um, I think people read a lot into this and expect, you know, football grounds to be raucous, you know, every minute of, of every match. You know, you go to the biggest grounds in the country and the biggest supported teams, you go to Old Trafford, you go to Liverpool, Cox, you'll probably test this, but, you know, I've been to Liverpool a few times and we hear about this famous Liverpool atmosphere and some people say it's a, it's a myth. I don't think it's quite a myth, but it's not what people, you know, claim it to to be in certain grounds and um yeah I, I i haven't to be honest ben i haven't sat there going the atmosphere is terrible I, I i felt it's it can be a little bit subdued at times like saturday when people are getting a little bit frustrated but there has also been times in certain games where it it is it is ramped up and i think the liquidator helps a lot with that obviously it wasn't played on saturday i'm not sure for what reason whether it was because there was a, a minute silence and stuff before the game i'm not sure but I think it, was at half time. it was played at half time. Yeah, it was played at half time. But where that was Carlos running up to the uh, the uh, <laughs> the mic the mic PA system, yeah, and uh, and asking for it to be put on. But yeah, I, I I'm not overly um, concerned by it to be honest. Maybe there has, but you know, maybe it's just something that I haven't noticed. But I don't know what you think, Coxie. Oh yeah, 
I agree with what, what you've said, you know, the times when it's yes been quiet and the times when it's been better. But I, I do think I do think there's a little bit and, and I totally un, I totally understand this as well. This is, you know, not detract from anyone, but I, I do feel there's a little bit of a malaise at at the minute. Um and, and that that doesn't go against um the support because the support you could argue is better than ever better than you know recent times in terms of numbers, you know, season ticket. More people have parted with their cash. More Albion yeah. fans have parted with their cash at the hardest time of living, financial wise, to support the team than in the last what, 10, 12 years of the Premier League and stuff. So that's incredible, you know, for the record. But in terms of uh, the club, the ownership situation with being in the championship for a third season, running for the first time in what, 20 years? Does that bring about a little bit of a malaise? You know, I've been in the championship. It's always been expectant, winning, promotion, hasn't it? Playing teams off the park. It's not quite or always... Yeah, I know the record under Corbyn's been very good at home, but it's not always the case now, is it? And and perhaps that all plays in. Certainly the stuff off the field, I, I would say. You know, the finances, not being able to, you know, work in windows and bring players in. I think it all adds to like a bit of a bit of a malaise that can bring it to be subdued um so I, I do think that um but again when when things are going well when there are chances when there are goals it's as great as ever there so yeah um i think you know in, in some games well there have been two home nil nils in quite a uh, recent succession haven't there millwall and now plymouth on saturday then there was one nil on the tuesday against sheffield wednesday was hardly a thriller wasn't it with an early goal um the type of games pay into that, don't they? Like, you know, the, the more sort of attacking, the more chances created, the, the better it gets whipped up. And if, if there are, you know, nil-nils where there aren't, isn't so much happening, not so many chances, you know, your only goals come early in the game, then it's it's not going to be as raucous, is it? It's just not. Um, Plymouth away end was good the other day, by the way. I know. I mean, they always are. It was very good. Superb, superb, superb. And I think I'll be a yeah. lot of people as well. I see, I saw a, a comment on this. A lot of people say, "Oh, away support's better than home support." I think that happens. That happens, happens at clubs everywhere. It's not yeah. just. It's not just Albion. Albion. Albion's away support's fantastic. And you look at the numbers it's, it's, that turned out on Saturday as well in terms of our numbers. But I think you're right. You know, all these different catalysts probably feed into. Um, yeah. one thing and um, we'll talk more about sort of crowd things in a sec so we've got another question but Dave Neal's got in touch given he seems well down the pecking order with the funds used for Pippa's loan have been better spent on a striker uh, Dave Neal um, hindsight's a wonderful thing I'd probably say Dave um, I'm sure question. that yeah it's a good question um, for me on, on Pippa I think yeah, he's come in I think if Furlong's performances would have still been a little bit below par he probably would have played by now but I think Saturday aside, I thought Furlong was a bit quiet on Saturday, but I think his performance level since Pippa's arrived in the building have gone up, and that's probably something that Corbran has has been pleased about. Because yeah. that's what you want, you know, driving competition, even though there are a lack of bodies. It's ironic, isn't it? You know, I think you know, f- through the summer, through last January, through how many years have Albion fans been, you know, calling for a a new fullback, specifically a new right back to come in through the building to hopefully grasp a first team chance or at the very least put some on furlong to increase competition and levels and I think that's what's happened I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that furlongs played pretty well I would say overall since since Pippa's arrival I think you know and I, I'm not saying he's done that on purpose suddenly started thinking oh I've got to perform it now but I think it's subconscious isn't it 
but probably I think mm. you know in professional sport I think that can happen I think if you don't have any realistic natural competition I think you know sort of psychologically you might be a one percent off it a bit more you know off it a bit and and that can you can tell that and yeah it's a, I want I want to see what Pippa can do I want, I want to see what he's about and you know I'd be quite happy if I saw him starting tomorrow against QPR I'd be quite happy if I saw him starting at Cov next week which feels a bit of a stretch to be fair but I, I just wonder if Corbrand you know ultimately down the line plans for him to be you know the number one right back that's what we thought I think when Pippa signed didn't it and, and first choice and have a run as first choice but I, I suppose maybe he has to bide his time you know perhaps Pippa has to wait to a really poor furlong performance like, like you said he was quiet Saturday Johnny I don't think he offered much or did anything drastically wrong but Perhaps Pippa's got to wait for you know, some errors or an injury and uh, and then take his chance. But he was mentioned in the press box, wasn't he, actually, Pippa, at, uh, on Saturday. Uh, a few of us, yeah, ourselves, speaking with a colleague, he, he's been described and, and seen him play uh, as a very attacking fullback, you know, quick, skillful. And, and, and the words out Corbrand's mouth himself was a better attacker than a defender. So... Is there a world where Pippa could come on from the bench on the right of a front three, perhaps yeah. in front of Furlong as another attacking option? You Has know, there been any reference not... about fitness and stuff, Cox? Obviously, with other players that have come in and about to sort of get up to speed, is come in very late in the window. I'm not sure how the, I think he was at Ludogorets. So I'm not sure how their season works, whether he was out of season, in season, or is that anything when, that Corbin's mentioned? When I first asked about that, the response from the head coach was that you know, he's, he's right there in terms of yeah. you know, pre season training, been training. You know, not played as much, but, you know, done all the training. And I think it was either during my time off or just to the end, uh, just when I was back, he, he was asked again about, I think Pippa had made his debut finally from the bench and was, you know, obviously still looking for a, a starter involved, you know, more involvement. And, and he was asked. Um, but there were no, no fitness issues that, I, you know, that I can recall or anything like that. I do think in Corbran, um, you have a head coach slash manager who is very... Yeah, he's got his ways. They're playing his ways. And I know Pippa's played for him before. I appreciate that. But you really have to bide your time and get clued up yeah. into the system and the way it goes. When I mean, look at Sarmiento, I know that's sort of physical related. Look at Maja, you know, again, the players are expected to, to know and understand a lot and take in a lot of information. And I think it could be a bit of that as well. But I think it is mostly... That um, I don't think Furlong's deserved to come outside in the last few games. Um, perhaps he will soon. We'll see. Uh, but I th- I'd imagine most, if not all, listening to this are, are keen to see what the Spaniards about. I would say. Yeah, uh, a couple yeah, more back, questions. Back, back to the original oh, on. point, Johnny, about whether it was, uh, you know the, the loan funds were wasted and better off elsewhere. I mean, you said it with hindsight, didn't you, Johnny? Like, you know, the the, the priority I think Corbin saw at the time had to be. I mean, especially with Gardner Hickman going out as well. He was like an emergency right-back option, wasn't it? Whether whether people liked it or not. And um, Corbin just saw it as everyone else did. That there was one right-back and they simply needed another option. So I don't quite think we can say that because, again, you would have had the same situation with Furlong and no competition and no drive with him. Yeah, yeah. Two more questions. Liam Dunn, can we talk about the booing at halftime on Saturday? Uh, yeah, there was a few boos at halftime on Saturday. Um, quite late, actually. And I think there was a few towards, well, at the end of the game. I wasn't in the ground. I was outside talking to you, lovely Baggies fans. But, yeah, perplexed me a little bit. Coxie, you know, I, I referenced it again in my bite-sized Baggies piece. And I think it's 
yeah, I think it, a lot of it's down maybe to expectation. But then people have made good points. Should Alvin be beating a, a team just promoted from League One? Yeah. But like we said, there's a lot of other things in things that come into it. Everyone's entitled, you know, you pay your money, you pay money. People pay good money to go and watch football games these days, and they're entitled to boot, you know, if they, and they're entitled to express their opinion as long as it doesn't, you know, obviously cross the line. Um, but I just thought a little bit of perspective's probably needed needed on it. And I think for me it is. And it's only natural, you know, I was thinking about this in the car on the way home on, on Saturday. It's only natural that it's it's tough maybe for some to lower expectations given how the past 20 years have gone for, you know, for Albion up to, you know, maybe the last two seasons. Um, you know, obviously last year they were on the cusp of the playoffs, but it's, I think a lot of it is expectation. And don't get me wrong, when we all turned up at the game on Saturday, you know, I said to, I know I said to, I think it's talk to Bomber or, or, or yourself or a couple other people in the press room, you know, six points from two games, that's what Albion should really realistically be getting from these two. But I think when you sit back and take everything in, you know, on the performance and stuff, yes, it's frustrating. But I, I, personally, I didn't think it warranted booze to the level that we heard. Just on, on that, uh, a wider football point, in your notice this as well, Johnny, um, I think there's a... There's a culture around, uh, quite a new culture around booing in football at the moment. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I just, it's, it's, and you know, you watch any team on the telly if it's nil nil, um, if they're down one nil, whoever it is, um, if if the home or it can happen with away fans as well. If it's not the result, the home crowd are after, they they will boo, and it, it, that it's not. You know, you played badly or really badly, as you know, perhaps in the bygone era. Booze only came if it was really bad. But now, um, if it's nil-nil and, you know, it's been sort of even competitive, you, you can get booze because it's not the results that people want. Um, don't get me wrong. I thought Albion were poor first half and Plymouth were much a better side. And that's possibly why it happened. But, but booing these days in football, not I'm not on about Albion, I'm on about you know, generally, just seems to happen. Mm. Um, common and I think you know a culture thing a generation thing it's obviously seems to be being passed down to new age for me like when I was maybe growing up watching Albion like they'd get booed off at half time if they were like 3-0 down or something for example I remember remember going to watch Albion you know this was only a few years ago I think Albion was 3-0 down at home to Derby on a Tuesday night and then you know Albion shouldn't be 3-0 down at home to Derby on a Tuesday night I think Albion were one of the favourites to go up that year I think it might have been the Slavin Village year or even the one before and yeah, it was um, in that situation. You can sort of understand it, but yeah, it's like you say. It, it, we hear it all the time. You you watch a game on telly now, and you know all the all the football that we do consume on on the television. And yeah, if you if you racked up the amount of booing at halftime or full time on displays or performances, it probably would be a lot higher than it used to be. Yeah, I don't, it's um, yeah, I do think there's been a culture change with it. I I don't know what you know how or when it will change or anything like that i just think it might might have to become accustomed to it i i can't see that i i'd be interested to know how the yeah you know, how it affects players or how much they notice it or feel mm. it i don't i don't i say if, if you're three nil down two nil down you've been played off the park battered being no good i think the players will understand it and accept it but i i can't see that I can't see that it'd be a great motivator if you know it's a nip and tuck nil nil, and it's sort of booing for the sake of it. I I don't know. I I'm putting myself in a footballer's shoes. I think 
I don't know what you think, Johnny. I, I, I don't know if it just, I'd find it irritating or, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, it's a tricky one, but we see it everywhere and hear it everywhere now. So it's interesting. Yeah, no, it's interesting. One final question before we, we wrap up. Matthew Botfield's got in touch with a, a really good question. The stats tell you that we only score more than one goal per game once every three games, in brackets based on the averages. We have only done it twice since the start of September, but we have five clean sheets in the last seven games. Will the lack of goals keep us outside the playoffs? Coxie. This is a really interesting point, and one that I've seen pointed out, you know, the five clean sheets in the last seven is akin to that early, that run under Corbrand, really, where we didn't score a lot, but it was very, very tight at the back and they didn't concede goals. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of flipped, doesn't it? It's gone, you know, when Bruce, at the start of the last season, when Bruce came in, it was wanted to be more front foot and score goals, and Albion were more attacking, they just couldn't put the ball in the net, but it was leaky at the other end. Corbrand came in, it was tight at the back, and it was, you know, goals were at a premium, but they were winning games. And it sort of flipped at the start of this season where Albion were conceding a lot of goals, and now it's, you know, tightened up at the back, and just as they've tightened up at the back, all the attacking, all the attacking <laughs> options are, uh, are lining up on the injury list. I, it's a good start, actually, pointed out by um, in in that question. Certainly, it's an interesting start. I, I've looked at the goals for column a few times this season, and not to any point, maybe up to the last game or two, thought that goals scored would be a problem. You know, maybe it was sort of boosted by the four 0 at Preston, which obviously gave the goals for a big. To say a big boost, but it's pretty good. There are only a handful of teams who've scored more in the champ this season than, than Albion, which suggests it shouldn't be a grand problem in the overall picture of it. Of it, but look, the picture's changed now, hasn't it? Regards the attackers, uh, like sort of sounding like a broken record, but like we said at the top, this many absentees are gonna gonna blunt that. But as as I said on Saturday, actually after the game. You know, it, it can only be a hard luck story for so long, can't it? And and the job of the head coach and the players is to get around the, the problems, you know, find a solution, as Corbrand would put it. Um, it's up to people stepping forward individually and collectively as a, as a side, using other methods, set pieces. Um, how, however, the, the, the back line stat, Johnny, that five and seven you mentioned is, is only, you know, a big positive and bonus because... You know, we're starting to see Alex Palmer, you know, crucial saves the other day again, wasn't it? We're starting to see Palmer back to, you know, his best, near his best. Um, the defence is coming a lot more consistent, isn't it, now? So, I suppose at least that side of it is putting less emphasis and onus on the front line, um, doing their job. But, yeah, and, and it means you only need one to, to win a game, doesn't it? Only need one goal. But, uh, yeah, there's work to be done in, in the front end of the pitch. I'd I don't know where I stand on the overall picture and are Albion going to get in the playoffs and, and all of that. I, I My, my, my um, prediction over the course of the season so far was, yes, they can challenge for the top six and I think they can sneak in there. And I don't think I've seen anything that's in the last couple of games that's talked me out of that yet. You know, Saturday was disappointing. Blues was very disappointing, albeit for different reasons. Albion are really having to cope right now with bare bones um, and they'll have to just muddle through until the international break and the only challenge ahead right now is to not you know, to get as many points as physically possible in these next four before the international break and get people back um, yeah it was only a point on Saturday and they climbed two places to ninth so it's, yeah. you know, it's, the, it's the, the early 
the early pickings of the table, isn't it? And um, you know, it's it's too early to look at the table. However, just need to take enough to get by until until people are back. I, I don't see scoring as being a problem yet this season until this raft of injuries. And um, it's up to the rest of the available players to ensure it's not a problem now until their mates are back. Yeah. No. Thank you very much for your questions, Baggies fans. Coxie, one final question. We'll sign off on this. How many uh, how many layers are you going to wear tomorrow night? Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe a repeat of Saturday. The, ther- the thermals did their job Saturday, Johnny. Was it not at full time or near the end of the game? Into the yeah, that's half full time when, when you're about. When, when, full no, no, time when you're in, about to go back inside. In, in the second half, when you're sort of no, it wasn't the second half. Say, it was the end of the game. Oh, oh, it's a bit chilly now, lads. Yes, Johnny. Yeah, it was Appleside. Um, it was Appleside. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe get another pair of thermals out tomorrow. We'll see. Night, <laughs> night game as well changes it up, doesn't it? I know, I know. It's going to be a nippy one. But Coxie, thank you very much, Baggies fans. Thank you very much for listening. Just on another note, apologies. We had no Baggies fan chat show uh, last week. We haven't got one planned this week either. But we're going to be back the following week, um, prior to uh, after Coventry. It'll be after Coventry game, so we'll be on that Thursday. So get in touch. If you want to get involved and we'll be in touch with you. Um, we all wanted three, didn't we, on Saturday? It was just one, but that's what we want on Tuesday. Hopefully it'll be three points and uh, we'll be back on Thursday for our shortened Baggies broadcast extra with a lot of positives to talk about. All the best. Enjoy your week. Until next time on the Baggies broadcast from me and from Coxie, it's Boing Boing. Boing Boing. Boing.